This is Lekka. I'm Lucy Dearlove. This month, Matoka goes with everything. You know when you say that, that if uh, you ask if it tastes different here compared to Uganda, the thing is in Uganda, they don't boil it, just boil it as we boil it here. Mm. So what they do, they have a basket like this and they get the fiber from the banana leaf and they put it cross-cross in the basket. Then they get a banana, another a big banana leaf, depending on how many people you're cooking for. And you put it, you fold it and you put it in the basket. So you peel your matoke and you put it in this banana leaf and you make a big parcel, yeah? Using the banana uh, fibers, you tie it up. And then the way they cook it, then they uh, put like, it's been modernized now. Before they used to take the stock from the, the banana itself, you know, the banana, the bunch, and put it under the sauce, underneath uh, in the saucepan, then put sort of making a steamer. Yeah. A natural steamer. Natural, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And then they will put this parcel on top of the stalks, you know, and then use other banana leaves and sort of cover. You know, put it in a sauce and cover. They would use about six or seven green ones. And then you boil it to get the aroma of the banana leaf. Yeah. And then after it's been cooked, they don't mash it with a masher like we do here. They use their hands and sort of another banana leaf and they use their hands to mash it within, you know, the parcel. I don't know how the women know, or whoever is cooking know that, they, I don't know how they know that it's mashed enough and it has no lumps in it. Yeah. But they do it, because they don't open the banana leaf to see if it's soft or if it's ready or not. And then once they've done that, they put it back in the saucepan and go over the whole process again, of re-steaming it. So that way it becomes softer and yellow and it takes more aroma from the banana leaves. It's steaming. It comes off, it's served to you steaming, you know, as opposed to here it's, you know, it's a little bit lumpier. And also, I feel like it's the original slow cooker because these women like, yeah, (laughs) four hours it might take to just make this. Just over this very low heat. Yeah. 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 My name is Katasi Ikirondi. I'm from West London via Kampala. My name is uh, Elizabeth Kivalama. I'm Katasi's mother. <laughs> and actually, same thing. I um, grew up in Uganda and I've been here in England for quite some a number of years. So when I asked when I asked Katasi uh, if she would speak to me for lekker. Basically, the first thing you said was like, do you want to speak to my mum as well? Because, <laughs> um, because I learned everything I know from her. So maybe you could just tell me a bit about how, how you learned to cook, Elizabeth. You know, what did you grow up eating? You know, something towards really amazing. Um, I think I learned cooking when I was about six years old. I could make the groundnut sauce. So wow, what you're so going to have some now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was allowed to do groundnut sauce. I think basically that was the first thing I was allowed to cook because um, 
by then I was living with uh, an uncle of mine, you know, sort of in sort of in the village. We used to grow our own food, like mm-hmm. tomatoes and all the vegetables and everything. One just had to go to the garden to pick up the tomatoes and the onions, and you come home and you cut up the onions and. And funny enough, we never fried anything at all. We never used any oils at all. You know, it was all uh, natural. And then as far as Matoki was concerned, this was really crazy because um, there is a special knife the, the people at home use. It's sort of hooked, you know, it's at the top here like this, and it's got a wooden, a wooden handle. As they got that, that knife gets older, the wooden handle breaks off. So they tend to give that to the children to learn to peel so that they don't cut themselves. And it was always blunt. So it's my, much harder. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, it, it, I think they just didn't want us to cut ourselves, you know. So we, I mean, we, we struggled, but we eventually got into the idea of learning how to peel the matoke. And then, uh, of course, by then I could watch how my aunt used to you know, to prepare the matoke and all that. And could you explain what matoke is? It's a form of um, a banana, but um, this one is not eaten as a a fruit. Mm -hmm. It's eaten as a a staple food, like you could eat sweet potato or uh, mashed potato or something like that. If I'm very specific in Baganda, like the ethnic group that we are from the center and around Kampala, many people will say like a meal isn't a meal without matoke. Like you haven't eaten. If you've eaten anything else, you've eaten rice, sweet potato, <laughs> chapati, and there's no matoke, like CD day, it's not food. Yeah. As yeah, in actual fact, they always say when they say food, which is mele in Uganda, they mean matoke. Okay, they, yeah, right. Yeah, the, the others are additionals. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if someone says that, you know they mean. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's wow. okay. To mm-hmm. there's no, there's no, there's really no matoke. Yeah. There's no food. It's very specific to the to the Great Lakes region. Right. So you'd find it in Congo, in Rwanda. Um, I think in Rwanda we call it toke. Yeah, in yeah. Tanzania, especially around. I mean, Uganda's landlocked, so anywhere around really you'll find yeah. it. Um, Literally all around around Lake Victoria. We buy it in Shepherd's Bush. Do you get it from Strawberry Hill? From Strawberry, yeah, Hill? Strawberry Hill. Strawberry Hill is a very specific um, shop within the market. Mm-hmm. But it's cheaper to buy it in boxes, but we would never finish a whole box. You can get better prices in South London and East London where there's more clusters of Ugandan people. Mm-hmm. And if you go too late, sometimes like, we have to call them up and say, oh, can you just hold some back for us? Um, you might not find any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they know us now. <laughs> <laughs> there is something called olwombo, and that is uh, vegetables or meat prepared in a, a banana leaf. They get a basket like this, and then they get um, the young of the the, plant, the the banana leaf without holes in it, mm. and they smoke it. You know, they pass it over the fire, and it becomes more like plasticky. And then um, they fold it, put it in the basket. Then you can put your so like depending on what you want to cook, you could cook meat or fish 
or groundnut sauce or mushroom sauce, literally anything, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, it goes with anything. But I think matoke is one of these, um, I don't know, one of these foods that just pairs well with so many different flavors. You can have it with a, like a meat, like matoke nenyama, which is literally matoke and meat. meat. It's just mm. like divine because it's, it just soaks up the sauce. And I find it that it's best eat some of your hands. Like for, for like, yeah. oh. I'm not going to make you use your hands. Lucy, <laughs> <laughs> but just to soak up the last bit of gravy. And because matoke, it doesn't have an overpowering taste. So it just blends well with everything. Or when I'm in Uganda, I like to have it with um, offals. A lot of our sauces are blended with um, curry powder, a bit of Royco, which is just like the super mix, yeah. and tomatoes and fried onions. So like a bit of um, yeah, a bit of a curry sauce, really. And again, this the curry is symbolic of the South Asian influence. influence. Mm. Yeah, of course, yeah. You can have matoke in so many different ways, like katogo, which would be like a mashup or melange of um beans but you'd have it whole so you don't have to mash it and that's the one I make the most because I don't have to I don't have to sort of pound it it's like peel boil and then mix it up with your bean sauce bean <laughs> sauce or groundnut sauce or groundnut or sauce. meat yeah yeah, yeah. you just literally it's so an angle you just peel it at an angle and then there's lots of sap oh, so you've got to so put oil, to put oil in your in hands your yeah they're really sappy. Oh, today I'm talking. Let's take out the matoke. Well, we have shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> so my mum taught me how to make it really, but basically you put it in a, in a pressure cooker just to speed up the process after mm. you peeled it and then take it out of the pressure cooker and then mash it with like your regular potato masher. And then um, this part is quite intricate. Do you want to explain? So this is what we do. Can you well, see? I'm just going to take a photo. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to take a photo? I know. <laughs> so, so what you do once you, you've, you've done, you've mashed it, you use a foil and you put it in a foil paper and wrap it up. You get a, a casserole dish and you get a, it's like a kitchen cloth and you wet it and wring the water out. Okay, so it's inside here. Yeah. And this is the dish part you described. Yeah, this is the dish cloth. So you just do it like this and sit that kitchen cloth in the casserole dish. Then you take your pass of matoke in foil and put it inside, wrap it up. So it keeps the mo it's moist. Yeah, so kind of like like the banana leaves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is yeah. sort of imitating the original yeah. sort of thing. And then... Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a cover for the casserole dish, you cover it and you just stick it in the oven. You know, at a very low heat. I hope this is warm enough. It's good. I'll just take some out for you. So we've got the groundnut sauce um, and we've put some fish in there because traditionally you put some fish in or mm. you could put mushrooms. So what we do to improvise here, because we can't get the dry fish we get from home, we use mackerel. Oh, Smoked right. mackerel, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's a similar, a similar flavour? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, so long as it's dry fish, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But you can get dry fish in Shepherd's Bush, but it'll be 
you have to soak it and sometimes it's hard and all that. Though if we went, if we were bothered to go to East London, mm. we can get the fresh fish tilapia from Uganda. Is that like, is that, they're just spring greens, aren't they? No, no, that is spinach. Oh, it's spinach. But again, we, we have so much vegetation in Uganda that you... So lots of greens. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I take a bit of this and then then get it in there. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so get it in the sauce. Yes, precisely. Mmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. I see what you mean about the, like how savory it is. Mm. Yeah. Because it's weird. Like even though you've been saying that, it's kind of hard to get your head around a, a, a non a savory banana. A completely savory banana. Yeah. Yeah. But do you know? Um, when I went to Guadeloupe to see one of my friends, they also, obviously in the Caribbean, they have a green mm. banana. Mm. And when I came back, I was adamant that it was the same. And then actually I realized it wasn't because when I tried to boil it down and mash it, it's a completely different variety that they have. Okay, it, doesn't, it looks really similar. It looks a bit looks similar. And in fact, I think ours are fatter, have more water content. Yeah, because the, the texture of it is that it's so sturdy. Like, you wouldn't think that something in the banana family could keep that much structure mm. when it's cooked. Because bananas, when you cook them, they just sort of, like, dissolve. Exactly. <laughs> and even plantain, like, is very soft. Like, mm. Yeah. But, yeah, it's much more, yeah, much more like, almost like, I don't know, like polenta or something. Or, yeah, like yeah. potato, like, very like, structural. Polenta's a good comparison. Mm. Mm, this is really good with the fish as well. It's really oh, nice. nice. So is this something that you would eat a lot? Um, because of that process, yeah, you know, okay. this whole pounding process, sometimes we would just make, um, would leave it whole okay. and just have it as katogog. My mum says when, she, when she's back in Uganda, that's all she eats, matoke. Just matoke. I don't eat anything else. <laughs> Why would See, you? See, somebody gives me rice, I think they no. are quite... <laughs> not interested. No. Because when I, the last time I went home in January, I went home, I was in, in Uganda in January, and my brother was from the United States, was at home. And there was a lot of us at, at the house. So like we would have cassava and we'll have our different yams and pumpkin and, and uh-huh. you name it, and wugari and, and all that, you know, for dinner. Well, yeah, one yeah, dinner. Yeah. And then they asked me, Elizabeth, why would you like? I'm not okay. And they would say, aren't you having any cassava? No. Aren't you having pumpkin? No. Aren't you having any rice? No. <laughs> I can get those anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my mother had a shortcut. <laughs> An original shortcut. Yeah, I mean, she had so many children. She had to have a shortcut. So, like, instead of going into the elaborate thing of putting, you know, the banana stock in the saucepan and all that, what she used to do, she would just get a saucepan, put water in the saucepan, put a banana leaf in, Peel the matoke, wash them, throw them in the saucepan, wrap the matoke with the banana leaf without using the banana fibers, you know? Okay, yeah. And just cover it and boil it. And when she finished, she would just use the same banana leaf that she, uh, the mat- she, put, she put in originally and just use that to mash the matoke. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's it. That was That is the easiest way. Yeah, and I think that like my generation, people are not living in the sort of same um, housing that can afford them to have an outdoor space where you can do all of this and put yeah. it on the stove, um, of a charcoal stove. So people are adapting. And 
I remember in the north, like in the naughty, somebody came up with torque powder, which was meant to be instant matoke powder, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for special occasions, you know, you hire somebody or you go all out and you, you make the more elaborate one. How did the toke powder go down? I tried it. It wasn't the same. Like, no, you can't yeah. cheat. It's the same. You can't cheat everything. It's like instant mash. It's mm. just yeah. never going to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, or microwave yeah. oats. It's not the same. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes a shortcut is okay. Yeah. Sometimes you've just yeah. got to do the whole yeah. thing. One of the stories that my mother tells me is about posho, the cornmeal that you turn into... Um, you add water to and you pound it, um, like the polenta, but like the East African one. Was it during the war, Mum? No, no, it wasn't during the war. Oh. There was a famine okay. at, when, when I was a little girl, and uh, there was no matoke, oh, you wow. know. So the Baganda started to eat ugari from Kenya, and they also learned how to use maize to make the, uh, the, the cornmeal. So the Baganda themselves had this concept in their head that everything must be wrapped in a banana leaf. <laughs> and actually my sister does it and I really love, I mean, I haven't told her. I just look at her and I think she's crazy. My mother does it as well. So, so they, they prepare the cornmeal like everybody, like the Kenyans and the Nigerians and the, the other African yeah. people would, would stir, make stir, it. Stir, stir. Water and Because for them, they just uh, put the hot water on, stir it, cook it, and serve with it. But what the Baganda did to them, their concept of food, uh, without it being wrapped in a banana leaf, was something else. So they started preparing this thing and wrapping it in a banana leaf and going through the whole process as you prepare the matter, okay? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Almost reminiscing what they were missing. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like the ritual of preparing Yes. It. Yeah, but now it's become tradition because at my sister's house, she prepare, they prepare matoke and they prepare this ugari thing wrapped in banana leaf. And I I said, what is this? <laughs> and because I don't like it. Okay. I don't like it wrapped in banana leaf. I like it the way you just prepare it on the yeah. fire and serve it. And they think, when I said I don't want to, I don't want to eat that, they think I'm crazy. But even then, like, the matoke came back, but people continued with this elaborate right. process. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just not necessary. I, actually, I don't, because you know how the, the leaves then, like, they steam into the posho, and it just takes on, like, a slightly different texture or, like, taste. I just don't think it's necessary. Oh, and yeah. it's like, ugali, posho, whatever you want to call it, is like our pasta. It's instant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why must I complicate it? And, <laughs> it <takes so> long. <laughs> and then you have the, gr- the green from the leaves. Yeah, and then it's no longer or, white. Yeah, and it's no longer oh. white. <laughs> but it's one of my favourite stories of mom tells. It's so yeah. And at one time it was frowned upon for anybody to eat uh, ugali. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Dog's food. <laughs> Yeah, but you, that famine taught them something. <laughs> but literally, like, that's what they would pe- people would give their dogs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> but it's so funny that something that came out of necessity, like that method of preparation, that people still do it. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Mm. It's incredible. Because I remember my mother, even if there were not get, no guests or visitors coming, she would prepare dinner by, say, like, three o'clock the dinner would be on the fire already and she would just put 
chunks of wood, you know, uh, firewood to keep the food warm and steam it for a longer period. And funny enough, if you've eaten matoke that has been steamed, re-steamed, it tastes quite different compared to the one you just boil yeah. and serve. What's the difference? It's, it's a bit hard, harder, isn't it? It's yeah, a bit tougher. It's, yeah, it's harder. And funny enough, when you when it's been steamed and you've used the banana leaves, it actually doesn't look yellow. It goes a bit orangish or something like mm. that and softer. You know, and I also think the way that it's served, like in Uganda, we'll say um, okujula, mm. you know, to serve. It, that's also a very elaborate process. Right. You know, okay. it's not something like oh, I just put this on, and you know, remember, there's all those layers. Yeah. Yeah. So people will sit down on like one of like like my my, my grandmother's kitchen, one of those mats in the corner of Mkeka. You'd lay that out. And it's actually an event, isn't it, Mama? Yeah, oh God, it's an event. Yeah, I mean, so like uh, traditionally, we didn't use tables. We all sat down, you know? So like they'll bring that big parcel of food, you know, so they, you know and they put it in the middle somewhere. You know, they have, they have papyrus uh, mats, you know, Akawempe. Um, yeah, so every house had that. It's more like a table, you know, but it, they used to put it on the floor. Like a runner. Yeah, like a runner. And everybody would sit round this big meal. Before the Europeans came and before we got plates, they used to use those pa- banana parcels, I, I, I told you. So everybody's like, if, you are, if it was 10 of you in the household, they would make 10 little parcels. They put it on the food, you know, within the, the, the steaming process, they put it in there. So when the food was ready, the vegetables were ready. So when you took, when you were ready to serve, you take your little parcels of uh, meat or walnut sauce or whatever, something, and put them in a basket and put it aside. And then you take your big parcel and put it in the middle of uh, this big sort of dish. And then everybody will sit around. And then you find that the mother or the adults would serve the food. They didn't expose the whole thing. You open half of it. And during the process while they were preparing, they used to cut little banana sort of squares, which were used as spoons. So you you take it from the, the big parcel, you fold it, and you sort of use that to take off the like food. Like a scoop. Yeah, scoop, mm. and just give it to everybody who is who is sitting around. And then the bus, you know, the little um, parcels you've made of uh, so like vegetables or whatever you're eating with the food, you give each person one of those. Yeah, one time I had a party in Uganda, and I think we had about, we had a lot of guests. We did. I think we had about... Um, 200 guests, but each guest got one of those. Wonder Wombos? Wonder Wombos, yeah. Wonder Everybody got wow. one, yeah. So uh, how long would that have taken to prepare 200? What you do, you hire people to do that. Many hands. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But even now at my grandmother's house, if we have like a Sunday meal, you know, again, it will be served when everyone's gathered. Yeah. It's not, you know help yourself and then wait for the next person. 
We just honor the process, yeah. I think. Yeah. The beauty about it was because there's people who don't eat meat, there are people who don't eat groundnut sauce, there are people who don't eat that. So you would make those parcels according to the preferences of the family. So like if somebody didn't eat meat, you prepare groundnut sauce mm. or you prepare something else. And so and they will mark the, these, these little parcels and say, this is for Katasi because she doesn't eat meat, so this is her fish, and this is so-and-so's groundnut sauce, and this, yeah. How would they, how would they mark them? Would they just write on they them? Use, no, they use the banana... The fiber. The fiber, and when they tie it around it to make a parcel, because they make a parcel, they, they may put a knot or three knots on, the, on, on one of the, of the, um, the ties. To make sure that two is Katasi's groundnut sauce, yeah. three is so and so's, you know, fish mm. and whatever. Culturally, in Buganda culture, if somebody finds you eating, they don't. You don't have to greet them. You can literally you just. Greet you don't greet people, people eating. eating. Okay. You know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then you don't. When you're during meal time, you are not supposed to be chit chatting. You know, it's like more like the English. Don't talk at the table. <laughs> Don't speak during a meal. But for a nicer reason. But for yeah. a nicer reason, yeah. yeah. I think I really got into cooking when I moved back to Uganda after uni. Mm. Um, my dad's, um, he's a chef and um, he writes about food. So he was doing classes and I said, oh, can I can I join in? And actually, the, the times I'd spend with him when I was there, he'd he'd be doing reviews, so he might take my siblings and I, so I got, I got an interest in, in it. And then when I did the the classes with him, I think that's when it really t- took off for me. Like, not took off, but I really got into it, and I liked experimenting. And when I moved to Uganda at that point, I was vegetarian. Ah, okay. Which was interesting because... Um, one of my uncle and my late uncles would say, you know, we can get you medicine for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we can get you medicine. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not allergic to meat. It's I'm just choice. choosing not to. <laughs> and what's yeah. ironic is that traditionally, Baganza, we didn't eat meat in the way that we do now right. as, as much as we, we did. You know, it was a Sunday. I remember growing up, it being like a Sunday affair, yeah. you know, once a week. You ate what you, I don't want to say you ate what you caught, but... You know, your chi- the chicken was slaughtered there. Yeah. It wasn't as mass-produced. So it was funny that people made such a big deal about me being vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> Every individual belongs to a certain clan or totem and it's patriarchal in the sense that you follow the man's line. Mm-hmm. It's how the kingdom, the, the Buganda kingdom, is divided. Folk tales and traditions around um, my totem, or my clan, which is grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. I'm not to eat it, because if I do, then I might lose my blessings, or I might get a, a, an adverse reaction to eating grasshoppers, which are a massive delicacy oh, wow. okay. in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And then everyone has, people have names that are specific so you've got grasshopper names. My mum's a monkey, so she's got like monkey a monkey name. But yeah. so when you meet someone, they tell you their name. If they have a name that you you, you sort of know that your brothers have, then they you couldn't possibly ever have a relationship with them because somewhere down the line, you are related. 
So it was quite sophisticated and also it said that the king who introduced them was also trying to preserve the animals because then you wouldn't consume your animal. Right, yeah. right. One time I met this wonderful guy <laughs> and his name was Kabogo. So I came home and I, I didn't ask my mother, ask my aunt. I said, aunt, I met this guy. He's so lovely. His name is Kabogo. He said, what? And I said, his name is Kabuko. Can I go out with him? He said, no, you cannot. You are not allowed. <laughs> and they knew straight away. Yeah. Lekka is hosted and produced by me, Lucy Dearlove. Thanks so much to Katasi E. Chironde and Nachigude Elizabeth Chibalama, my guests on this episode. Katasi is written for outlets like Peck and Peculiar and Black Ballad, and she was also a co-host on the Unsavory Ethnic Types podcast, who did a great episode about Ugandan food that I really recommend listening to. I'll link to it in the show notes so you can also listen. Katasi also guest curated a recent issue of Fair magazine, which is the magazine that focuses each issue on a particular city. Uh, the one Katasi did was all about Kampala. I just checked and it's actually currently reduced on the Fair website, so you can still buy a copy for an even cheaper price. I'll also link to that in the show notes. I love this magazine. I learned so much from it. Katasi did an amazing job. The design and the photography is so beautiful. Highly recommended. Katasi actually sent me a copy of this when it first came out and that's what planted the seed for the idea for this episode. We actually talked a bit more about the magazine and a couple of specific pieces in it because there's some really interesting ideas there and those bits of the uh, conversation that I had with Katasi are going to be available on the Patreon bonus episode of the podcast which comes out monthly on the Patreon page. You can get access to those by signing up for £3 a month at patreon.com forward slash podcast. Other ways you can support Lekker? Tell your friends! please spread the word rate and review on apple podcasts or spotify buy merch from the like big cartel site but generally just enjoy and appreciate the podcast and share it if you have that means the world to me all the music in this episode is by blue dot sessions and thanks as always to ben mcdonald who did a beautiful illustration of uh katassi and her mum for this episode you can see that on the Lekka instagram and twitter at like a podcast i'll be back in your podcast feeds next month thanks for listening <laughs>